This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There's a radio host on Moody Radio that always starts his programs with that, and I'm, if, if I'm ever listening, I'm so grateful for that because I, uh, I often get in the middle of my day and I forget, forget to rejoice and be glad in the day that God has made. Um, so I want to talk to you about something that's on God's heart. It's already been mentioned several times, but uh, in fact, I think that um, what I'm talking about this morning is what God has been working towards from the very beginning uh, of creation. Uh, so it's a plan that's thousands of years uh, in the working, uh, and it's still going and active today. Um, and so uh, when Pastor Mitch uh, invited me to uh, speak about uh, missions, that's the topic he gave me. It's a, it's a huge topic. Uh, but I wanted you guys to catch God's vision um, so that you can like align yourselves with it and participate in it. Like, How great would that be? Um, so, I'll just give you a little story about when I was in 8th grade. Uh, I think that this happened the day after we had some sort of unit test and the day before spring break. So uh, I remember sitting there, and then the teacher began passing out worksheets. Um, and, uh, you know, I was kind of a too smart for my own good kid and being snarky about it. I looked at the worksheet, and I said, oh, this is, is this busy work? And uh, the teacher looked at me and gave this, like, really sheepish smile and, like, said very quietly, yes. <laughs> uh, but with the implication, like, just please, just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes uh, we get caught in between the the cross and heaven. Uh, and sometimes when we hear God's call to to reach all nations, when we hear God's call to. Um, sp- spread the gospel like it feels sort of like busy work to us um, that if we don't keep that greater vision in mind uh, then like it's hard for us to, to keep doing it it's hard for us to even want to do it uh, and so uh, that's why I want to kind of share the full vision of God's uh, mission uh, today as best I can. Uh, Companies keep vision statements uh, in order to keep people, uh, anybody involved with the company, the vision statement keeps them focused, keeps them inspired uh, on the goal ahead. Uh, So later on in the sermon, I'm going to give you a verse that I think can function uh, as God's vision statement. Um, Before we get there, I want to set the stage uh, by tracing through the Bible um, God's God's mission theme. Uh, I think that this theme could probably be the theme of a whole semester class. Uh, so I've only chosen a few topics and I'm going to have to speed through them. But uh, today, you can see I've got lots marked in here. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of different different parts. Although we'll start in Genesis, so turn to Genesis 12. 
Yeah, okay, yeah, so we're going to work our way. Uh, I'm glad that uh, we read that passage in Revelation because that's the end that we're working towards. Uh, but we're starting in the beginning uh, in Genesis. Um, by the way, this is a, a small group, and I prefer like a, a teaching setting than a preaching setting. So, you know, if I say anything confusing, uh, just speak up, ask a question. And maybe I'll ask for some participation at some point. But, um, okay, so Genesis defines the problem. The problem, right, is uh, that mankind has sin, sinned. Uh, it's uh, given to us in Genesis 3. Uh, uh, God gave humanity a choice about how to follow him and... Uh, people rebelled, and as a result of that, uh, sin entered into the world, uh, and it entered into us, uh, and it has become like an infection, uh, something that uh, is not easily dealt with, something that um, doesn't just go away. Uh, and so, God, though, endeavored to provide a solution uh, to that problem, uh, which is what this book is about the solution to that problem. Um, but I, w I think it's very important to start out with that uh, uh, everybody knows the story of the flood in Genesis, right? Uh, Noah and, and the ark and the flood. Uh, and the flood, according to Genesis, is not the solution to the problem. Uh, God sent the flood and wiped out almost all of humanity except for Noah and his family. Um, and he did that. I, in my opinion, God sent the flood in order to show us that wiping out humanity and starting over is not a good enough solution to the problem of sin. In fact, immediately after the flood, uh, we get the Tower of Babel uh, story showing us that um, just because God started over with the, the righteous Noah doesn't mean that um, that sin went away from the world. Sin is rooted deep. And so, right after that, uh, God initiates his plan uh, to save the entire world. Uh, and he starts with one man. He starts with Abram, or you might know him uh, as his name change, Abraham. Uh, so, uh, take a look at uh, Genesis 12. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Uh, now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you notice in that promise from God to Abram, there's two pluralities of people mentioned. Uh, there's a nation, uh, and there's families. Uh, there's those who inherit and enact the promise of God, uh, and then there's those who receive the promise of God. Uh, first, I want to talk about families. All the families on earth shall be blessed, is what God says. Uh, Families in Genesis is something larger than nuclear families. It's not like a mom and dad and two kids. Uh, you can look a couple gen generations later and you see that uh, Jacob 
when he takes his family into Egypt. They count them. There's 70 men, uh, not including women and children. So it's like 300. His family is over 300 people. Um, and that word, that word family sometimes means a family of that size. Sometimes it means tribe. Uh, sometimes, but not as often, it means a whole nation. Uh, so when God says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, uh, he's not necessarily talking about um, each American household will be blessed. Uh, he's talking about um, people. The NIV translates it peoples, and you'll see it translated peoples. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, I titled this sermon, God's Mission for All People. Uh, and I said it that way because it sounds a little bit better, but probably the better title is God's Mission for All Peoples. Um, and I think uh, starting here with Abram, the goal for God is to reach all peoples. Um, God's plan is to start with this one man, but to reach all the families. Right? What does that word mean? All? All the families? Does that mean that he wants to reach one family? No. Does that mean he wants to reach some peoples? No. When God says all the peoples, he means all the peoples will be blessed through Abram. How does it get to all the peoples? Uh, well, in this context, God says, I will make of you a great nation. And that's the other group uh, that God met- mentions in this promise. Um, who is that nation? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that the first intended, intended reference to that, uh, to that nation uh, is the people who physically inherited that promise, uh, being Abraham's descendants, uh, by blood. Uh, Isaac and then Jacob, whose other name is Israel. Uh, and so that whole Old Testament is kind of about how that first nation, Israel, uh, it takes the promise or fails to take the promise uh, to all the peoples of the earth. Uh, and we'll look at we'll look at that for a little bit. Um, but I also want to mention that, uh, we find out in uh, Mark and in John and in Galatians and maybe a couple other places uh, that the, descend- the physical descendants of Abraham are uh, not always uh, thought of as the true descendants of Abraham. Uh, and that uh, John the Baptist says uh, God could raise up descendants of Abraham's out of, the, uh, out of these stones. Uh, and Paul says... Uh, that we are the spiritual uh, descendants of Abraham. And Jesus criticizes the Pharisees uh, for following not their father Abraham, but for their their father the devil. So um, in this day and age, uh, we can talk about the church. I don't want to argue with uh, either the dispensationalists or any other camp. I don't want to bring that up too much, but I I can confidently say that uh, the, the nation belonging to Abraham uh, can, be, can be thought of as the church uh, can, uh, these days anyway. Um, and so uh, as we learn about Israel's uh, attempts to bring the, go- uh, the gospel or the blessing to the nations, I uh, want to uh, 
think about how we're doing in that respect um, and how we can join that because it's to us uh, to carry that promise to the nations now. All right, that is the initial uh, promise given by God to basically the whole world through Abram, through Abraham. Um, I want to go really quickly. I want to. I want to make it clear uh, that the Old Testament that this is like. Because before I called this uh, like God's vision. I called this God's mission. I think that one passage uh, might not make it clear enough. So I want I want you to know that that God, throughout the whole Bible, uh, has been reaching out to all families, all peoples, all nations. Um, and so, just some examples. Uh, we have in Exodus 9:16. Uh, this is God talking to Moses who's going to take the whole Israelites uh, out of Egypt, he says to him, I've raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Uh, and so God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt uh, through the Red Sea and all that um, is not just for the Israelites as much as they would like to, to think, like this is God blessing us as, um, as his people. Um, but in addition, it's so that people would hear about it. Uh, and if you look at Moses' prayer in Numbers 14, it, uh, he's implying that the nations are watching. Uh, he just says, uh, uh, to, he says to God that these people are watching us, and so you can't abandon us. Um, and so that's the idea we read in Psalm 67, and we'll come back to it again uh, a little bit. Uh, but that the what God does for His people. Uh, he does so that everybody can look in and see uh, what God does for his people. Um, we also have um, provisions in the law. Uh, these first five books of the Bible that God gave as a law to his people Israel. Um, uh, we got provisions for treating foreigners uh, well and not, um, not excluding them as long as they... Uh, make themselves part of the covenant as long as they follow the same laws. Uh, they're supposed to be included with the people. Uh, in Joshua 2 and 6, we get some, uh, the famous, you know, Battle of Jericho, but we also have Rahab, the, um, the pagan Canaanite prostitute who by believing in God uh, and serving him and serving his people uh, is included in the, in the covenant people of Israel. Um, and then we come to, then we come to like a long space and time through uh, judges and First uh, Samuel where Israel does not do a good job of shining, <coughs> shining the light to the nations. Um, until we get to David and Solomon, and especially Solomon. Uh, once we get to Solomon, the same sort of principle of God blessing uh, Israel so that his name will go to all the earth happens. And we got, um, you can turn to 1 Kings 8. I'll be here briefly and then we'll go to Psalms. But 
First Kings eight. Uh, in First Kings seven or six, I should say, uh, Solomon builds the temple, and that temple is known as this place where God's presence dwells among His people. Um, and so, really, uh, this is like a a location, a single location, like a little. Um, module on earth where God's presence is uh, magnified, uh, where you can go no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, either during this time in history, you could come to Israel and visit the temple and see what God is doing there. And that's reflected in Solomon's prayer for the temple. He says in verse 41 uh, and following, uh, he's praying Likewise, God, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls you, in order that the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people, Israel that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. Do you ever pray like that? I pray like that sometimes when I'm, uh, when I'm trying to teach people to pray or when I, uh, I'm trying to share the gospel. I say, God, please answer these people's prayers so that they'll get a sense of who you are. Uh, p- please answer these people's prayers the way that you've sometimes answered mine so that they'll know that you're here. Um, and that's what Solomon's praying. Like when these people come from who knows where, because they've heard of you, answer their prayers so that they know that you're here and real and blessing them. And that's the goal. That's the goal of the temple, not so that Israel could take pride in this great building that they had, uh, but so that God's presence could be displayed to the nations. Uh, turn turn ahead to Psalm 67. I'm going to read that again. Like I said, we're going to fly through this, so uh, sorry if it's if it's quick. And Psalm 67 says, "May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us, so, uh, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You." Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is a powerful prayer from somebody who has understood God's heart. His abundance... That God, that God loves to provide abundance of blessing. Uh, and he loves to do that, I mean, one, because we're his children, we're his creation, he wants to bless us. But this, uh, this psalmist, this writer, knows that it's for a greater purpose for that even. Um, what does it say in verse uh, 1 and 2? May God be gracious to us, verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God, this um, this writer knows um, and writes a, like powerful poetry about God blessing him and God blessing their nation so that 
uh, everybody on earth can look and see and know that he that God is God I couldn't I couldn't go through an Old Testament run through on the nations without uh, at least mentioning Jonah uh, which is a whole book uh, based around the plot line that uh, God wants to save a whole nation of people uh, that Jonah himself doesn't want God to save. <laughs> Uh, but he sends Jonah, and he won't let Jonah get away. <laughs> He's got to go preach, because God cares about all these people in Nineveh. He says, there's so many people there, and also a lot of animals. You got <laughs> Let me care about them. I'm not going to spend any time there, but let's, uh, let's then turn to Isaiah 56. Uh, and that'll be my last uh, Old Testament text. If you haven't caught this, uh, I really do like the Old Testament, and I encourage everyone to read the Old Testament. Sometimes as Christians, we really love the New Testament, and we get caught there um, for good reason, because it's got the name of Jesus, and and there's power in the name of Jesus to save. Uh, But there's nothing in the New Testament that's uh, new. Uh, It's all found in the Old Testament first. Listen to this, uh, words that Jesus eventually takes uh, for his own uh, in Isaiah 56, verses 6 and 7. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, who minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, so anybody who joins themselves to God's people, that's what he's saying. Um, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. I gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. So besides Israel, and Jesus says this about about sheep. He's the shepherd, and he's got sheep here in his pen, but he's got other sheep that he's got to gather to his sheep pen too. Um, and then I skipped over, but not for long, uh, the verse that you probably recognize Jesus saying as he cleared out the temple courts. He got Remember that time when Jesus got really angry? Uh, and he went and he overturned the tables of the money changers in the temples and Uh, He drove people out with a whip. And he says, It's written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, or all peoples, it says in the ESV here. Um, But you have made it a den of robbers. Uh, And some people have interpreted this to mean that that outer court in Herod's temple in Jesus' day, that outer court was uh, named, uh, well, not named, but it was the place where the Gentiles could go. And as you progress in or uh, farther in towards the most holy of holies, um, it's more and more restricted because that's because God is holy and only um, only ritually ceremonial, ceremonially clean people can go so far um, to the to the point where only one person uh, is allowed inside the most holy of holies. Um, but on the very outside is where the Gentiles are allowed to gather. Uh, and this is the place where people are selling uh, 
sacrificial animals and changing money. Um, and all that's well and good because they're required to pay the uh, tax in a certain coin and they're required to make their sacrifices and it's hard to travel with, some, with those large animals. But they were doing it in a place uh, where the only place where the Gentiles could come be in the presence of God. Uh, and that's not okay. And Jesus takes this idea and, and oh, well, he scolds them. I wouldn't have wanted to be in that crowd. Um, because Jesus takes up this heart uh, that God has uh, for all the nations. Uh, and that's why it's not surprising when we get to Jesus uh, that he cares for Gentiles. He heals a centurion's uh, a centurion da- uh, daughter when he finds uh, faith there. Uh, he heals uh, a Gentile woman who comes and asks him for healing uh, because of faith. Uh, he sits and speaks with a Samaritan woman at the well who his disciples knew quite well he shouldn't have been associating with her by custom. Uh, but Jesus cares that the gospel goes to all nations. Um, and then eventually he comes to the point where he sends his followers out on a mission. You guys know this passage probably uh, from Matthew 28. It's known now as the Great Commission. Um, there are other passages that used to also be no- included uh, as Great Commission passages. But over time, the, it, it got simplified down so that this Matthew 28, 18 through 20 got known as the Great Commission. Uh, but you can find similar words in Luke 24, 46 to 49. Uh, you can find sending in John 20, 21. Um, you can find this uh, promise that the gospel will go out. You can find it in Acts 1, 8. Um, but in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, and so Jesus takes up this mission, this, uh, this promise that God gave to Abraham uh, back at the very beginning of his salvation plan. Uh, and, and Jesus, being the descendant of Abraham that he is, is the one who's going to come and bless uh, all peoples, all the peoples of earth. Um, and he, he then sends his nation, his nation of people, his followers, uh, to go carry this blessing uh, to all the peoples of the earth. Keep your finger kind of in Matthew because I haven't quite got to that vision statement yet. Uh, and it's in Matthew. Uh, but real quick, we're going to turn to Revelation 5, that passage that we read a little bit before. Um, I want to read this one again because it provides a look at the end. In Revelation 5, 9 to 10, there's this, uh, there's this song sung in heaven. And in this song, uh, the, uh, 
the four living creatures and everybody surrounding the throne is saying, worthy are you, uh, Jesus, to take the scrolls and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Uh, That's not the only place in Revelation but I think it's the most clear place in Revelation um, where we get an image of all who belong uh, to Jesus. Um, And I think it's really helpful in kind of discerning who all nations is. I've kind of left that hanging. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, But throughout the Bible, we have this all peoples, all nations, and I haven't really talked about who all peoples or who nations is. Um, But here's this first hint, which comes pretty late (laughs) in uh, Revelation 5. uh, That's every people from every tribe, language, uh, and nation Uh, Sorry, every tribe, language, and people, and nation. Notice it's not all people from every tribe, and language, and people, and nation, but it is at least some people from every tribe, and language, and people, and nation. Uh, And so God's final, like, uh, vision of... uh, of heaven and earth is, is, is a paradise. As you turn to the end of Revelation, uh, you see this new, newly created heaven and earth uh, where there's no mourning or crying or pain. Uh, and it's not just one people who, who's included, but it's people from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And so with that end in mind, then I'll give you what I think uh, can function as God's, uh, I don't know, God's company's vision statement, God's kingdom's vision statement. It's found in Matthew 24, 14. So we've got surrounding here, Jesus talking about the end, and I just uh, talked a little bit about the end as it's found in Revelation. And Jesus says that nobody knows, not even he himself, but only the Father in heaven when he's going to come back. Uh, There's this time appointed, and who knows when it will be. Except for he gives, throughout the whole Bible, he gives one condition uh, for when the end will come. And it's found here in Matthew 24, 14. Uh, Turn the wrong page. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So just like a vision statement, I think it's brief, and I think it uh, uh, covers everything it needs to cover and gets to the point, um, and says what God is intending to say, that this gospel of the kingdom, basically it's reading it again, (laughs) will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And once that happens, then the end will come. And so then, Christians have picked up on this. Uh, Since, I think, I think for a long time we didn't realize how big the task actually was. Uh, 
the disciples were faithful and they did what they could and Paul took the gospel all the way up the coast through the Roman Empire all the way to Spain uh, and we have other stories of the, of the apostles going into India and maybe into China and some down into Africa um, but there was a big task still left to be done and the apostles passed it on to the people after them um, and it comes all the way down to us and as people have picked up on this uh, all peoples, all nations uh, talk that God has spoken about since the beginning, uh, people have started to try to quantify it. And honestly, each of the attempts to quantify and define what a, what a people is uh, and how many there are, they're usually all different, sometimes only slightly different. Uh, depending on how people define things. Um, but it, it, it at least helps us to pick up a vision uh, for what we need to do. Um, and so uh, I, I'm taking some definitions from joshuaproject.net. Uh, it's a site that I like to use to kind of research about uh, unreached people groups uh, because there are still many groups out there that are unreached. Um, and so what they say, I think I forgot to get the numbers of all the unreached people groups uh, left, uh, but there's some thousands of numbers of people groups, uh, which they define as the largest group in which the gospel could spread uh, without encountering significant barriers uh, of spreading. Um, so not like political boundaries of nations, Jesus probably didn't mean it will be preached within every political boundary of nations because, frankly, most of them didn't exist. Um, and they're always changing. Um, I think that Revelation 5 gives us a better hint of what Jesus meant when he said all, um, all nations. Uh, some from every people, some from every tribe, some from every language. Uh, and so these are all things that help... Uh, quantifiers and definers like Joshua Project to make decisions on what constitutes a people group. Um, and so if you look at their maps, uh, which I did, uh, you can click on the U.S. and then it gives you a page about the U.S. Um, and in the U.S., there are 521 people groups as they define it. Um, so based either on uh, language or um, uh, culture, uh, especially cultures that are more cut off from other parts of the culture, uh, so that if the gospel multiplies in one of them, uh, it might not reach this other one because these people don't listen to these people. That makes sense. Uh, and that's why there are still, according to this website, 97 unreached people groups uh, in the U.S. Um, and reached, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about all the unreached people within the reached people groups. Um, they define an unreached as uh, a group, a people group that has less than 3% Christians. Functionally, it means that they don't have a church um, that can multiply uh, on its own. It needs people to come in and, and 
make disciples. Um, so, but this, uh, these 97 unreached groups in the U.S. account for 15 million people still. So um, that's a lot of people that uh, not only haven't heard the gospel, but actually don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Um, and I looked at a couple other countries just so that you could see uh, what, the, what the task looks like around the world. Um, Turkey is a country I visited a couple years ago very briefly uh, they have 45 unreached people groups and that accounts for 99% of the population um, and the gospel is hardly spreading there that's a very slow spread nation so Turkey is a place that needs people, faithful people to go and, and preach the gospel uh, Iran on the other hand uh, has well, similar to Turkey, they have 99% of their people belong to unreached people groups. Um, but the gospel is spreading faster in Iran than almost any other place in the world. Uh, it's actually pretty amazing. There's a, um, a documentary about it on YouTube called uh, Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2, um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> like... The church is multiplying in Iran despite intense persecution um, faster than anywhere else in the world. Uh, but the task remains very large uh, there. Uh, and so I, I share all this with you because I want you to, to start to develop an eye for what the task is uh, in front of us. Um, so that you can start to align yourselves with it. And I think there's four things that we can do uh, as Christians uh, that, that will help us get closer to aligning ourselves with, with God's mission. The first is to pray. Uh, if you're ever having trouble in your prayers, I recommend going to what God says to pray about. And one of them is found in Luke 10.2. Uh, where Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he would provide laborers, laborers to enter the harvest. And so Jesus' command to his followers is to pray for more laborers to go out um, and make disciples. So I think that if we pray that, God will answer that prayer because he's the one who told us to pray um, I know some people who have their phone alarm set to 10.02, either once or twice per day, uh, as a remembering Luke 10.2, and, and when it goes off, they take a minute and they pray for that. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, you might apply it if you wish. Um, you can also give your resources. Uh, and I, I appreciate uh, that your church is supporting me as somebody who's going... Uh, to the Middle East, uh, raising funds. And I'm glad that I was told about this before the sermon, too, because I'm not trying to come here like soliciting that you would give me more money, but um, I'm grateful for it. Uh, and I, I think uh, each one of us uh, can give towards missions, and I, you know, I'm giving towards it as well. <laughs> like, and not just money, but... but um, time or expertise or um, whatever it is, like whatever resource you have to give, look out and see 
where the need is and, and put your resource there. Um, to go one step further from giving your resource, uh, you could actually reach out. Uh, I think... Well, let me say this way, in a very challenging way, and then we can take steps towards it together. But um, if a person's spiritual life is a, is a tree, as the Bible uh, sometimes says, uh, a tree, an apple tree that doesn't have any apples, doesn't make any apples, it could have strong roots and it could have a strong trunk, it could have bright, leafy, green branches, but if it doesn't make any apples, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and if it's in an orchard, not making apples, uh, it's going to be cut down. Um, so, I, I say that as, like, as people, spiritual lives, that Jesus uh, wants to bear fruit uh, in the place around us. That's what God has for local churches. Um, you don't have to go to far nations or unreached people groups. The whole point is that this is a reached place because there's a church like you to reach it. Um, and not just individuals, but a church, if the church is a, a group of people, but I can represent it with a building. If the church is a building and doesn't have any doors, it might have a strong, strong walls and it might keep the rain out, but it doesn't do any good for anyone because nobody can come inside. Um, and so... Uh, not just as individuals, but as a church, uh, outreach uh, towards the, all the people around you for, was, uh, for every man, woman, and child. Not that everyone will believe, but that everyone has a chance to believe um, because they've heard. Um, and then finally, you can go. Maybe God is calling you to go. Uh, Pastor Mitch is like, no, don't take the... Don't take the solid people from my congregation and send them But maybe God is calling you to go, uh, whether it's uh, for a short term or whether it's for a longer period of time, but I would want you to be open to that call. Um, or maybe God will call you to go. Maybe he's not calling you now, but maybe he's uh, intending to, to grow up this congregation so that it can become a providing congregation that can send you uh, or send someone. Um, but God wants to reach all nations, and so I would think that every, um, how did John, John Piper, I read an article by Piper which uh, was really helpful in preparing this, um, but uh, he, I think he would say that every denomination should have uh, an organization whose mission is to reach, um, to identify and reach unreached places. Um, which is what I'm doing through Reach Global, uh, going to the Middle East and trying to reach uh, an unreached people there. Um, so those are things you can do. Uh, pray, give your resources um, to reach out uh, and to go. Um, I'm an idealist, and so I could say those things and like wish that tomorrow we would all <laughs> be doing that with with perfection, but I, I know that what we need is um, small steps, and so uh, I would look at those four things and see what God is, where God is calling you to take a step, 
Um, and maybe it's just praying, uh, praying for the nations and praying for more harvesters. Um, uh, or maybe maybe you do have an abundance of something, and it's time to give uh, even just a little bit. Uh, or maybe you do have a friend who's like ripe for the harvest and <laughs> ready to hear the gospel. Um, and maybe just starting a conversation. It doesn't have to be a conversation about Jesus right away, just a conversation about what's important. Um, so, yeah, those are things that I would want you to, to consider. Uh, even just the smallest step forward uh, toward, uh, toward the nations, because that's where God is going. Uh, let's pray.